You are Locked On Indians, your daily Cleveland Indians podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Locked On Indians. I am your host, Jeff Ellis. Uh, formerly of 24-7, formerly of Scout, formerly of many a Cleveland sports blog. We're going to talk about the Indians today. I just want to make a quick note at the top of the show. Uh, I did talk about how I had some travel last week and seeing family. Uh, for those who have reached out, I know Matt Thinker being one of them. Hope you're listening to the show today. Let me know if you are. Uh, if not, I will send an email soon. Locker room is now green room. They've done a changeover. Spotify bought it. So the chance to sit down and talk baseball, it moved from locker room green room anyone else who's had some confusion with that just letting people know we got a win to talk about today and an impressive win uh, i've got all the information the indians sent me we had some roster moves we had some more information on josh naylor and let's just start there let's start with josh naylor before we get into the game performance the exact wording in the email i got is that he suffered a closed fracture and a dislocation of his right ankle it was immediately reduced on the field uh, so I assume maybe with the de- dislocation, the reduced means they relocated it on the field. He went to the hospital. He remained in Minnesota overnight for pain management. He came back to Cleveland yesterday. It says today in the email, but yesterday when you're hearing this. And he's going to be evaluated by a foot and ankle specialist at the Cleveland Clinic. Uh, the head athletic trainer accompanied Josh to the hospital and travels with him back to Cleveland today. So we still don't know the specifics. We don't know the internal damage, and we probably won't know for a while. But uh, it stinks, and that is a massive injury, a closeted fracture and dislocation. I don't see any way with both of those that there's not some kind of tearing of muscles in there. Um, I would just at this point in time count on Josh Naylor not playing the rest of this year. Uh, So what did the Indians do? Kyle Nelson continues his yo-yo because uh, the Indians brought up Oscar Mercado. Now, I know I counted him out yesterday, but I, I admit when they called him up, I'm like, okay, I get it. I know why he gets called up here, and I'll explain that in a second. And then Logan Allen. Uh, you know, Allen started the season in the rotation, and then they put the exact info in one of the emails I got. You know, he was the first lefty to start for Cleveland since Ryan Merritt. That's how long ago, 8-30-2017. Uh, so, yeah, it had been a while. Uh, and then, yeah, he did not pitch from May 20th through June 11th due to left elbow inflammation. So again, while the injury didn't happen when he was with the team, another arm, another injury. And in his last start, four innings, three hits, three earned runs against Toledo. I don't know if he's called up to start. I don't know if he's called up to work out of the pen. Could be either. Uh, we will see. I mean, it's just also going through and getting some fresh arms which is uh, feels like always a need for this team. So why Mercado? Now Mercado on the year, 265. Though his June, uh, he had a 955 OPS with 18 RBIs in 23 games. I, I know RBIs don't matter, but that's the information I got from the Indians. He's 31 for 171 with 13 doubles, 5 home runs, and 23 RBIs in those 45 games where he hit 327, 392, 718. So, I mean, that's, again, that that's a fantastic... Uh, production, but that would actually signify a higher OPS looking at that slash line than what's listed. He's fourth in the International League with the 13 doubles and second in the Cleveland system with nine steals. 
So he's playing better of late. A, that's one of the reasons. We talked about a lot of guys got off to bad starts. Bobby Bradley has played excellent for the Indians. He was terrible in AAA. Nolan Jones started out the year, felt like he was striking out every time up. He is getting it together. There's a lot of reasons. Let me change it. There's not that there's a lot of reasons, but for whatever reason, a lot of guys got off to a very slow start. I think part of it is that stadium. We've talked about how it's awful, and I think it can mess with pitchers and hitters' heads. It also makes it really hard. Like That is a park where I can't get much in terms of numbers evaluation. It just does not uh, allow me to take much away from it. It is such a bandbox. Uh, it's like Reading for the Philadelphia Phillies. If you are a fan of, I know it's not the Eastern League anymore, I think Reading is still there. I mean, the radical realignment kind of, I'm not sure who is in whose conference anymore. Uh, or division, I should say. But Reading was this notorious band box where you're going to see overinflated statistical numbers and overinflated production. Uh, that is the Columbus Clippers. So Mercado has played better of late. That's one of the reasons he's caught up. The bigger one is they got to figure out what they have with him. This gives an opportunity to let him play a little bit more to try to figure out what is Oscar Mercado, who is Oscar Mercado. I think it's interesting that over on Fangraphs, he's listed as an outfielder slash first baseman. Uh you know, he's, I'm not going to talk about the Rule 5 draft because I know it's driving people mad, but they have to figure out what they have in players. That's what it just comes down to. So one of the reasons you call up a Mercado is so you can figure out, you know, give him another chance, see what he can do, see if he's worth, you know, holding on to. They, they have to evaluate that at some point. They have to figure that out. So far this year in AAA, he's had 16 games in left, 24 in center, 3 in right. So he's he's played in all of those spots. Uh, again, none of these list him as ever having played first base, so I'm not sure why Fangraphs had him listed as a first baseman slash outfielder, but whatever. You call him, but like, it comes down to that. A, he's playing better. B, you have to figure out what he is. You know, There was a time where we thought Oscar Mercado was going to be our center fielder for the next six years you know that we thought he was locked in well most people did most people thought he was going to be the center fielder what we have seen this year is kind of a continuation of what has always been my concern with oscar mercado he is extremely streaky and that makes it hard for him to be productive because players can be streaky and be good major leaguers the problem with mercado is he is either on fire or cold as ice and there's not a real middle ground right now he's on fire he's playing really well in triple a and we talked about a lot of players struggled at the start and played better but for those other players you know they're don't have that history where with mercado it is cold hot cold hot and when he is cold he is ice cold and that's what led to you know the confidence issues and everything else i have no problems with them giving an opportunity you know, it's going to be short-lived uh, the projected return for Fran Mo Reyes, I believe, is the 3rd of July. So you're looking at maybe a week for uh, one of these extra outfielders up with the team before they have to you know, go out and make an adjustment and figure out uh, who's getting sent down. I assume it would be somebody like Mercado. Uh, at some point, they're going to have to figure out what they do with Luplo uh, as well. They're, it's, you know, they're just, it's, it's a, I don't want to say it's a nice situation to have, but it's an interesting situation compared to the early point of the year where it's actually going to be hard to make uh, some decisions about who is worthy of keeping up and who isn't. Again, you know, I, I wanted to see Nolan Jones. I just wanted to see him get that opportunity. I want to see Daniel Johnson get an opportunity. These are hitters, uh, the profile I believed in uh, for reasons. It'd be nice, but I also understand 
Why Mercado? For the same reason that Bowers and Bradley came up previously. You want to see what these guys can do. You need to see what they can do. You're going to have some hard decisions to make later on this year. Uh, you got to get a little bit more of a sample size, and that is what we are seeing with Mercado, on top of the fact that he's played very well of late. Before we talk about the game, before we talk about the other minor addition I forgot to talk about earlier in the week, and a whole bunch of news to catch up on, let's talk about rockauto.com. So rockauto.com has been a longtime sponsor. They save money for you, the consumer. They've been in business for 20 years because they are able to cut down on costs and pass that money and that savings on to you. Uh, they have one central location. You know, When you go to a store, when you go to the chain store, they pick out the part for you and they have to order it from somewhere else if it's not there. And they also have to have all the overhead of having all those stores open. That's not how Rock Auto works. Rock Auto, you pick your parts. There is not, they have, they cut out that overhead. They cut out those steps. Rock Auto, one central location, gets you your parts. Fantastic deals. Talked about I went there. I'm, I went and double checked. I'm probably going to start buying filters from them because it's, a, it's something I can handle, and it's a great deal. And they constantly have their own deals. They have a rebates page. They are always looking out for you. Go check out rockauto.com and remember to tell them that Locked On sent you, right? Locked On, right? Locked On MLB, right? Locked On Indian, some form of Locked On, letting them know that their advertising money is well spent. Rockauto.com. Make sure you let them know we sent you. So we'll get to the game in the third segment here. Let's talk about some other minor moves that happened. Uh, the Indians added Brad Peacock on a minor league deal. Now this makes sense because I talked about their pitching staff is unbelievably beat up. Uh, all you can do is... is but laugh at it. Like it's just gotten to that point where you look at everything that has gone on with that pitching staff and you have to laugh. Like it is unbelievable. They're in the situation where they are right now, where like I said, yes, two of those pitchers, whenever I talk about the top five pitching prospects in double a two of those pitchers had Tommy John before the year began and Carlos Vargas and Ethan Hankins Hankins. So you have Adam Scott, who's another guy who, you know, rule five eligible type, uh, Joey Cantillo from the Clevenger trade, and Cody Morris, who's my favorite helium candidate in system. None of them have pitched. It's crazy. So they add a Brad Peacock. Now, Brad Peacock is mostly known for his time with the Houston Astros. Uh, he did go over briefly to the Washington Nationals. My cat apparently wants to be on the podcast today. Uh, before then being traded to Oakland and eventually finding his way back to Houston. Now, I always kind of liked Brad Peacock. He was a player who was able to miss bats pretty consistently, uh, especially when you, I'm kind of talking through my teeth there, and I'm like, especially, you know, uh, especially when you look at the era where he got to Houston and stuck, which was during the um, the cheating uh, through substances and through signaling. There's no way around it. I mean, Houston is at the top of the cheating game. They just... They don't miss a beat, do they? Between, you know, we got so mad. I mean, that unintentional pun with missing a beat there. Side note, everyone got so mad about that. And now you look back and, you know, uh, I have my issues with Trevor Bauer, but he's he's right. Like, they were the foreign substance kings as well as what it appears to be. So you do have that with Peacock. Now he had two years where he pitched in over 100 uh, innings in the big leagues. Uh, he has pitched in 181 games for his career um what all but three of those with houston 5.2 war for his career uh went from a guy who was striking out about eight per nine 
to the 11s and the 13s. So a very different player in 17, 18, and 19 than he was before that. I'm sure if I pulled up his data, we could see some interesting changes in spin rates. Uh, You know, not to cast aspersions, but when you're a Houston Astro, you have a little bit more... uh, I'm going to be less trustworthy. Let's just put it that way. Uh, He was really not good in 2020 in all of two innings. In 2019, he was okay. He's just, he's a depth arm who has experience, who can miss some bats. Walk rate's a little high. Not their typical arm, but he, again, useful arm. This is a team that needs depth right now. The never-ending injury issues. Peacock is a a fine addition. He's he's not going to fix anything, uh, but it's nice to have someone down there who gives you just another option with some experience. Now, the other bit of news I noticed over my trip, uh, so I was just kind of digging into some stuff that I had missed way back in May, is about the Indians and scouts. So the Cleveland Indians had 48 scouts listed. You know, that's minors and majors. Uh, I don't know if I've, I haven't had a ton of direct interactions with their scouts. Other teams, yes, not so much the Indians. But they told all of their scouts that all of them are free to look for work with other teams if they can find a situation that offers more stability. And of those 48, already two have left. Um, they're not eliminating scouting department, as the Plain Dealer article says. Uh, you know, if a strike or work stoppage happens, you know, the Indians are being currently this very pessimistic about that being avoided. Uh, the, the scouting department would take some big hits. That essentially, if you are a scout for the Indians... There are no guarantees. So if you can go to a team and get a guarantee, uh, take it. I think the days of a 48-person scouting department are done for the Indians. I think they learned some important uh, things over the past few years. Now they've done a great job with their Major League Scouting Department. It's more their amateur department has been the issue. You know, I can go back to the article I wrote many years ago where I went from like 95 to 2015 and the Indians were the second-worst team in just pure war of drafted players. And a lot of the value, especially in the Shapiro, Shapiro era, where her players they didn't even sign. I was just doing pure war of draft classes. Uh, they they would draft guys late, as as is a thing. I mean, a lot of teams do that uh, just to talk to them. And they, the draft classes were just miserable. I mean, between CC Sabathia to like Lonnie Chisenhall, there was not a first rounder who did anything. That's how bad it got. Uh, John Hart was slightly better than Shapiro, and it's it's one of those things where I wish those articles still existed somewhere. Unfortunately, like all of Indians Baseball Insider did not get transferred over to Scout, and then my Scout site when I posted such things uh, was completely deleted when or twenty four seven I should say when they got rid of baseball. But yeah, I I went through and I rated all the general managers and. They've done so well in trades, but even to this day, like their drafting has been so-so. Uh, it's not been a strength. And what was interesting was last year's approach was very antithetical to what they had done uh, recently. You can go back, and you know, I was as guilty as anyone, very hyped about like the 2011 class, which is fantastic in retrospect. But like the 2010, 2012, 2013. You go back to the 2012 class, that's the Naquin class, where they went under slot and used all that money on all of these high-ceiling players. None of those high-ceiling players even got close to the big leagues. Uh, It was just a complete bust. Most of that class ended up 
not even getting to double A. It was it was pretty miserable. And you know that's your amateur scouting. And you know we talked about that the, you know the greatest six round pick in team history is probably going to end up being Joey Wendell. And he really didn't play with the Indians. He was a senior sign. Uh, they have struggled with drafting. It's there's just no other way around it. Why am I talking about this? Because last year they took a complete approach that seemed, okay, so we sent our scouts to look at specific players who fit our models. We know what we develop well. We know what we can scout well. We know what we can identify and we know what we can teach. And we're going to go add those players. And that was Tanner Burns, Mason Hickman, and Logan T. Allen. Those are those three pitchers who are the Indians type. Then you look at Milan Tolentino, Carson Tucker, not as much P.D. Halpin because they were pretty awful with outfielders, but Tolatino and Halpin were very much, or not Halpin, uh, Tucker were that, uh, you know, up the middle hit tool. Not sure if there's anything else. Like, we're, we know this player can stick up the middle. We know the, you know, the quote unquote hit tool, which I've already talked to my can of worms about. Uh, no one's as good at scouting hit tools as they think they are. Uh, but that's the Indians' approach, and uh, if there's any team that seems to do well with being able to develop that, at, you know, if someone does actually know uh, about Hit Tool, it might be the Indians. I don't want to say that too much because, again, they're, uh, they can't develop an outfielder to save their life, but they have developed infielders, and they went very much with that approach, and every player fit a model. And I think that this is a team that you know used to have a 48-person, as we talked about, entering this year's scouting department. I wouldn't be shocked if they're under 30 from now on, if they are going to do a lot more modeling. You know, college teams send a lot more data to teams, uh, systems get set up, and there's a lot more information on things like tunneling and spin rates and horizontal break and things like that. And I know there's old people out there being like, oh, that's the worst type of scouting. The thing is the Indians have always been kind of smart. Like I go back to when I first started writing about the draft uh, where the Indians always went for undersized players after the first few rounds because they thought the value was there. Now, again, we talked about they're not great at the draft itself. No one is really great at the draft. I'd say maybe Oakland, weirdly. I mean, they were the number one team when I did that statistical model. Though Oakland has started to get away from what made them. I mean, the interest, the most interesting thing when I did that 20-year study, and this was 95 to 2015, so it's also a different era. Things have changed being the safe team was the smart approach. And that has always kind of showed up in my own writing is after I did that, I'm like, okay, so the teams that went most conservative early ended up having the best drafts on average. And it's like, okay, that's that's something good to know. And the Indians won a very conservative draft last year. And that's after the years. Yeah, so last night at two in the morning, I was talking to someone. Uh, I won't give away names or sources or anything like that. I posted the podcast. I put up some tweets about Richie Palacio, so I talked about it on the show. And I got a call, and we were talking about it, and they're like, I got a lot of people saying Chase Petty to the Indians. And I thought, that's interesting. I mean, if you listen to the podcast, you know, I was saying that Chase Petty is the high school arm that makes the most sense. But I've also heard talk that they are very much a model-based team, more so than ever. And Chase Petty doesn't go with the model. Chase Petty goes with you trust your developmental ability, uh, which... Uh, this is a team that, since CC Sabathia, I do not believe has developed a high school pitcher. Who's the guy? Who's the high school arm who came up through the system? It's Tristan McKenzie. There's that, but, I mean, he's not proven yet, right? He's not consistent. Who else is there? Jason? No, Jason Davis was a college guy. I always want to say he's a prep arm. 
but there isn't anyone who really came up and was a starter for more than you know a year or two tj house had about a year and a half uh but yeah they have not had much success with that grouping at all over a long period of time and they have drafted a lot of prep arms they draft you know three to four triple dit you know not triple digit uh six digit signings like players that they think have major league upside and they don't have much to show for it and they spent a lot of high picks you know uh mckenzie and hillman hillman's really a non-prospect for them at this point in time hankins is hurt uh daniel spino we'll still see with him but yeah i wouldn't be shocked at all like i still think they're gonna go model heavy i'll be curious to see you know i know michael mcgreevy faded a bit late for uc santa barbara but yeah i think it's just interesting to talk about and look at and you know that was an article that was from may 13th in the plain dealer and it totally missed my radar at the time and I think it's just important to note because, again, I think that they're a team, they're bracing. A, it shows that they are bracing for another stoppage. B, it shows that they are watching every dime, nickel, and quarter that they are already like. And C, it also shows taking care of people, which is something they're infamous for. Because they're like, I understand you want stability we can't give you. We respect you. We appreciate everything you've done for us. If you can go find that elsewhere. Uh, will support you in that. So that that also is something important to take notice of. You know, they're they're being very human to those scouts, which scouts are often treated as a disposable resource. Uh, you can have a two-year career and be out if none of your guys hit. It's it's a rough job to have. So that is a positive to take away from that. Quick break. Let's talk about our sponsors. Newest one is Wild Alaskan. Now, I'm not the biggest fish person. I'm just going to be honest with you off the top it's not necessarily my thing. Now, my wife and daughter love fish. If you love to order fish when you go out to eat, but you never have time to make it for yourself at home, cooking restaurant-quality dishes at home starts with high-quality seafood and simple techniques from Wild Alaskan Seafood. They deliver high-quality, sustainable-source, wild-caught seafood right to your door. And even though it's not always my thing, I think I'll be trying Wild Alaskan and using this new promo code. I'm sorry, it's not a promo code. You go to Alaskan company.com slash mlb to get $15 off your first box because again my wife likes it my daughter likes it it's a good deal it's $15 off you're getting salmon whitefish or combination uh there's different specials and what i appreciate i know if you heard me talk about some of my uh, recent reviews someone talked i can be a little too woke uh i do like sustainably sustainably sourced wild caught seafood If, if i'm gonna get it i would prefer it to come that way uh, so each shipment contains that premium wild-caught individually wrapped portions of delicious seafood that's ready to prepare and easy to cook. You can adjust, pause, or cancel a membership at any time, and they offer a 100% satisfaction guarantee. And as I previously mentioned, right now you're getting 15% off your first box of premium seafood when you visit wildalaskancompany.com slash MLB. That's wildalaskan with an N, company.com slash MLB for $15 off your first box. I'm going to try it. You should try it too wildalaskan.com slash mlb make sure to use the url to let them know we sent you and to get that deal let's go over and see what bet online is saying about tomorrow's indians game i'm going there and checking so much that uh it's showing up in my google uh favorites <laughs> that's how much we're going and looking what is the bet on remember when you go to bet online and use the promo code locked on to get a five zero fifty percent bonus on your first deposit let's see if the indians First Tigers is listed for tomorrow. Uh, 
I mean, it shouldn't be a surprise that the Tigers are the ones getting the run and a half. You know, Mejia has been, he's pitched okay. He's been a little up and down, as one would expect, but he's been solid. Arenia uh, has actually been, I mean, it's been a while since I looked at the Tigers, let's be honest. But, if, you know, he had been pitching quite well to start the year for the Tigers. But the Indians should be favored in pretty much every matchup against the Tigers. Yeah, I mean, so Arenia is come back to earth a bit from his start. He's pitching like the pitcher he is, which is a good thing for the Indians. I, they should be the favorites in tomorrow's game. I agree with that assessment by, from Bet Online. Remember, all of our lines come from Bet Online across the network. We use them. You should use them too. Remember that is BetOnline.ag promo code locked on. You get a fifty percent bonus on your first deposit. Who doesn't want free money? BetOnline.ag promo code locked on fifteen. So let's talk about this game. Uh, you know, I, I haven't gone to any of the post-game uh, press conferences. Uh, still a little too intimidated to do that. But I'm on all the email blasts, which is nice, because now I know that the club set new season highs in runs with 13, hits with 19, doubles with 6, and tied a season high for extra base hits with 8. Uh, they are 8-3 and three on the year against the Tigers, and they won 8 of their last 9 contests against Detroit. Uh, and since 2016, this is, this is phenomenal. Since 2016, they are 73-23 and 23 over Detroit, including a 36-9 and nine record at Progressive Field. Eli Morgan becomes the fourth pitcher to pick up a win this year for the Indians. Can you think who the other three are? You should be able to get Mejia, because I just talked about him in the ad read. Sam Henches, who was a starter, and Nick Sandlin. He becomes, and for Morgan, that now makes three starts in a row for him without a walk. I thought that was the other interesting thing to point out. And his strikeout-to-walk ratio ranks third among American pitchers who have pitched at least 15 innings in the big leagues, the opposite of uh, Tristan McKenzie in the early going. And, you know, five innings, four earned runs. It's not a quality start. It's just not, uh, based on the definition of that from the major league. It's a step in the right direction. Morgan's looking a little better each time. Five innings, four earned runs. Now, the book on him has always been the good control. He's not going to walk guys. Does give up the two home runs. He has always been home run prone. Six hits. It's a very Morgan-like start. Like, this is, you know, he's going to be a guy who has an ERA over four, closer to five, as a starter. Like I just, I don't think there's a whole lot of evolution in him to get beyond that. It's a perfectly solid start. Sandlin, Parker, Shaw, all go out and do what they need to get done. Whitgren gives up a run. It's been a rough year for him uh, offensively. You know, always do the who reached base twice. Well, in this game, let's talk about who didn't reach base twice because there's only two. That's Eddie Rosario and it's Austin Hedges. Now, Hedges did have a, a home run in this one, so you can look past that. I also realized when I was talking about the Indians outfield yesterday and yesterday's show, I didn't mention Eddie Rosario. As I was talking to that person at like 2.30 in the morning my time, uh, I was sitting there going, I didn't mention Eddie Rosario uh, because he hasn't really been worth mentioning for the most part this year. He's in... He's still not playing even average. He's a below average bat, and right now he's one of the Indians, you know, not as strong performers, and I still don't love hitting him fourth in the lineup when he's not done anything this year to show that. But let's move on from my gripe. Three hits by Cesar Hernandez, three by Ahmed Rosario, three by Jose Ramirez, three by uh, Harold Ramirez, two by Clement, two by Bobby Bradley, and uh, Zimmer had a hit 
and he was hit by one, and Clement was also plunked, so there were two players were hit. Uh, 17th home run for Jose Ramirez, team lead... No, I'm sorry, that was his double. Uh, but no, it was also 17 home runs and 17 doubles. What do you know? Uh, he did have his team leading 17th home run. Hedges, I mentioned, had his fourth. Uh, the six doubles, Ahmed Rosario, Harold Ramirez, Bobby Bradley, Jose Ramirez, Eddie Rosario... And Cesar Hernandez. Hernandez. Interesting. So uh, I thought he'd be higher on the team, but Jose Ramirez with the 17 and Eddie Rosario with the 13 are currently have more than him. I like it's just it's a fun game when they go out and just beat up on another team like that. Ahmed Rosario. I mean, constantly improving. Bobby Bradley, Harold Ramirez, both make me look dumb, and that's fine. I'll accept it. We'll move on. I, I was not. You know, Russian for either of those players, but Bobby Bradley has just continued to hit. And Harold Ramirez is, I, you know, I talked about long term. He's probably more of a platoon guy, but until he until he can't be a starter, let's just run him out there. And he's being successful. He's got an OPS over 800. His 806 is, uh, if you don't count Bobby Bradley for not having been up long enough, second best on the team right now. Uh, might be a little bit lower when Franmil comes back, be third best, but he just continues to play, continues to hit. Now, defensively, not great. Let, let's be honest, but that's it's interesting because the Indians have just punted defense this year. They spent a few years being very defensively focused. Uh, Ahmed Rosario, not great at short. Their corner outfielders before Naylor got hurt, not not strong. Bradley Zimmer is good in center. Uh, Jose Ramirez is closer to average at third, maybe a tick below. Uh, Cesar Hernandez is good at second, but this year has not been good. Uh, and first base has been, uh, Bobby Bradley's not great. Uh, catcher, they're good. <laughs> catcher in center field, that's about it. Everywhere else is average to below uh, this year. So it is an interesting pace. Uh, if you ever read Moneyball back in the day, that was one of the thoughts for Oakland was uh, you don't steal bases uh, because the out isn't worth the risk and defense doesn't matter. You just want to get as many good hitters out there as you can get uh, were some of the some of the tenets of it. But yeah, it's, uh, for the Indians, that's another win. This is a team that, for everything that has gone wrong for the Indians this year, I, I pulled it up yesterday, but didn't really get a chance to talk about it. They were two and a half back entering the day. I'm not sure what the White Sox did today. I'd have to go look. I'm not scoreboard watching uh, quite yet, but yeah, they entered the day two and a half back. It's kind of phenomenal for a team that has lost their top eight pitchers. It's a, sorry, seven of their top eight pitchers pitchers at some point this year to injury, uh, who has seen their number two hitter miss, what, a month, month and a half, their second best hitter uh, miss about a month and a half due to injury. And they had such great health for such a long time. Now they're, it, it's balanced out. It, it's not the case they've had to overcome. But it, it, what is nice right now is players are heating up. We've talked about guys like Ahmed Rosario playing better. You know, what Bobby Bradley and Harold Ramirez have added. They still have some needs. I still think they should go out and make multiple trades, especially because that Rule 5 crunch that I talk about on every show. I know people are probably sick of it. And yet, it's kind of nice that they have the depth they have where 
there are still interesting players in AAA. You know, we talked about Andres Jimenez, who was the star of the Lindor trade, is hitting well down there. He's figuring it out. Trenton Brooks, who was not a big-name prospect, has been, you know, an absurd hitter. Nolan Jones, I still think, is an important prospect. He's there performing well. They still have a lot of youth just sitting there. And that's part of the reason why they're going to have that crunch that I talk about, is they have so much interesting talent. That's why you got to see what Mercado can do. So you got to see, honestly, what Daniel Johnson can do. And he could be a candidate to get taken off the 40-man at the end of this year. They need to, at some point, figure out what they have with a lot of these players. And this isn't a rebuild year. It's not necessarily a contend year. It's a kind of an in-betweener. They're definitely trying to evaluate what they have and what they don't have. And I expect to continue to see that throughout the rest of this year. While they try to contend for a wildcard spot, it's a little bit unbelievable, but they're still managing to do it which, you know, is kudos to management and, you know, all the front office and the unbelievable job that that now shrinking scouting department has done evaluating and adding talent through the years. I've been Jeff Ellis. This has been the Locked End Needs Podcast. Remember to rate and review, download daily. It helps out. Uh, let's get us back up there. Let's get us up and rolling. One of these days, let's be one of the top 10 baseball locked on podcasts. I don't think that's... Uh, too high of a of a goal uh, for the next year maybe two go tribe